Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. So we're concluding this series today on parenting. So whether you, you have kids at home, you wish you had kids at home, or you have kids at home that you wish would leave home, uh, today is for you. I had a parent come to me a few weeks ago. I was speaking at another church, and they said, you know, how do I get my kids? I've got some older kids. How do I get my kids to leave the house? And I said, I don't know. We're not there yet. But the best advice I've heard is just try walking around the house naked, and they, and they will leave today. Uh, they'll be like, I can't take it. I got to go. So I don't know if that works. Just something to pray about. Um, uh, but you, the, th- the funny thing about parenting is you don't have to parent very long before you realize you don't know how to parent. Uh, you, you don't have to, to run a business very long before you realize you need help. You don't have to be in ministry very long before you need help. And life has a way of humbling you. Life has a way of messing up your wonderful little plans. Anybody's ever had life mess up your plans? Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Has anybody ever had life punch you in the face and mess up your wonderful little plans? You know, when you're young, you're very bold and brash and you're, I'll never, there's no way. And when you get older, you're, as far as I know, they wouldn't. And best I can remember, life teaches you to put some disclaimers in. And, And life has a way of humbling you, which is really what brings your healing because your healing's in your humility. And most areas of your life where you have pain, you probably have pride. And so it takes some humility in order to hear from the Lord and to be able to respond and let God graduate you through correction. See, God does not graduate you to the next grade because you're too old to be in the class. He will leave you in that class. He left the children of Israel in the wilderness 40 years. Oh, you didn't learn? Okay, take another lap. Oh, you still didn't learn? You stuck on stubborn. Okay, take another lap. And how you come out of the desert of your life is correction. When you allow your heart to be corrected, it brings you out of the wilderness into being the man and woman that God has called you to be. And so Joanne and I had not been married very long, uh, and we, we ended up getting a little puppy. Uh, we ended up getting a dog. Worst decision I ever made in my life. The dog lived forever. And so we got this dog. And... Um, uh, we, we, we said, well, we don't want the dog to chew this up or do this, so we need to send the dog to training. And so we took the dog to training. The dog was in training for a couple of weeks. And so right before we got ready to pick the dog up, they said, you need to come in for training. Uh, really, it was a day and a half of training. I said, just train the dog. They said, no, we have to train you, because if we don't train you, you will destroy all the training we've given the dog. And I said to my wife, I said, isn't this something that, that you know if we need training for a dog, you know we need training for parenting. You know we need training for parenting. So the thing about parenting is parenting is going to be the most beautiful, also one of the most challenging, most important things you will ever do in your life. And when it comes to parenting, the thing you don't want to do is wing it. A lot of us are messed up because our parents winged it with us. When it comes to parenting, you want to get all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the insight you can. And the Bible tells us that uh, very clearly in Proverbs 4 and 5. It says, get wisdom. Everybody say, get wisdom. wisdom. That's different from just knowledge. Knowledge is knowing a tomato's a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge that you have. 
And so it says, get wisdom, get an understanding. Very famous verse, Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way they should go. Train, them, train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from the faith. So it says something about the beginning. It says something about the end. It says nothing about the messy middle. How many of you ever messed up in the middle? But you're here today in God's house because God's word is true to train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from the faith. So because it was invested in you as a child, you're here saying, here I am, I'm believing for God's best in my life. And here's what you gotta realize, parents, is that it takes you. It takes you. We have to stop outsourcing parenting. You teach them this and you teach them that and y'all teach them this and you teach them that. God, if you're a parent, you're in kids' ministry. By default, you're in kids' ministry. And if you want to know what, what God is going through with you, look at what you're going through with your children. Oh, Jesus. And we have to stop outsourcing parenting and take some responsibility. Well, you teach them sports and you teach them how to read and write and you teach them how to the Bible and this church. And if they don't te learn teaching the Bible by this amount, I'm gonna find another church. How about we as parents take some personal responsibility for the children God has given us and we pray with our children. We read the Bible with our children. We teach our children. We get invested in our children because you and you alone have the anointing to raise the child that God has given you. You don't have the anointing to raise somebody else's child. Have you, raised, have you ever watched somebody else's child for five minutes? You go, I don't have the anointing to raise that child. You've got the anointing to raise the child that God has given you. And that's exactly what it takes, is it takes an anointing. And you don't get an anointing by somebody touching you or just somebody laying hands on you. You get an anointing by spending time with Jesus. In the morning, you get up and you spend time with the Lord. An hour with the Lord, two hours with the Lord. You spend time with the Lord. That's how you get an anointing. You spend time with the Lord, and then you pass tests in private when no one's watching. Yeah. And then you go through things that try to destroy you. And when they don't destroy you, God gives you an authority and an anointing in that area of your life. That's how you get an anointing. And the anointing costs what it costs, and it doesn't go on sale. You're going to have to buy the oil now for your children. Buy the oil now. Get an anointing because what the anointing does, every parent in here needs an anointing to raise the children that God has given you. And what an anointing does is it makes your words effective. I need an anointing to talk to you today. If I don't have an anointing, my words will be of no effect. It is the anointing that makes the words penetrate the heart Amen. and turn to correction and life and healing. That's why if you don't have an anointing and you don't spend time with Jesus, you will spend time talking to your child and your child will look back at you like you are invisible. Yep. And you will be frustrated and then you'll get angry and upset because your words are not penetrating the heart. You've got to spend time with Jesus. 
and say, Lord, I need you to make my words effective. That when I talk to my teenager, when I talk to my young adult, when I talk to my eight-year-old, that the words that I speak touch their heart and cause them to fall in love with Jesus. And it costs what it costs and it doesn't go on sale. You're not getting an anointing to raise a child because somebody touched you. You're not going to get an anointing to raise your child because you watched a podcast. It comes from spending time on your knees with Jesus. And this is the price of the oil. This is the price. You're not going to get in a crisis and develop a prayer life with God. You've got to develop a prayer life before you get in the crisis. If you only pray when you get in trouble, prayer is your plan B. You're only going to pray when things go wrong. You've got to pray. How about we pray before we get sick that I'll never get sick? How about we prophesy that I'll live in health and healing? How about we prophesy that sickness and cancer is illegal in my body in the name of Jesus? How about we make prayer our plan A? Come on, am I helping anybody in here? And I get it, parents. I get how challenging it can be. I get, I understand. I, I understand just the, the it, my house sounds like the state fair. Like I'm living at this. I get what it's, every time I walk in my house, it's like holding a press conference. Yes, Alexander. No, I answered that on Thursday. Yes, Liliana, we're doing that at two o'clock. Yes, go ahead and pack. We're getting ready to go. Yes, over here. We're going to eat that at three o'clock. It's literally holding a press conference every time I walk in my house. I get it, but the days are long but the years are short and time goes so fast. And there's a very famous story of Jesus and a father and a son in, in, in the book of Mark for the sake of time, I won't read it all to you, but the book of Mark chapter nine and this father has a son who is contemplating suicide. He's literally tried to commit suicide a few times, throwing himself, this boy is throwing himself in the fire, he's throwing himself in the water and the father's like, I don't know what to do with my child. I'm literally losing my child. And he comes, the disciples, the disciples couldn't do anything. So he comes to Jesus and he says, if there's anything you can do. And I love what Jesus says. He says, if uh, come on. there are no ifs amongst believers. Yes. And the father says, Lord, I believe, but here it is. Help my unbelief. Yes. I believe, but help my unbelief. Now we know why the boy is unstable because the father is unstable. Come on. See, if we're going to be rooted in anything, we've got to be rooted in our faith. Yes. If the economy is going to come and go, jobs are going to come and go, things are going to come and go, but our children have to know our faith is an anchor, yes. that it is something that we don't just do on Sunday. Yes. If it's something that we only do on Sunday, it will be modeled to our children that it is religion. And the yes. best place to raise an atheist is a religious home. A religious home is something that you only practice on Sundays. I grew up knowing my parents knew Jesus because I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my mom would be on her knees next to my bed praying in the Holy Spirit because I was a teenager and I had lost my mind. And she was praying for me. I'd walk in the house and see my parents worshiping and I knew that this was something beyond Sunday. I knew that this was something real and genuine and it drew me to him. It drew me to him. And I fell in love with the word of God, not to preach. I fell in love with the word of God as a young man because I was drowning. And I needed to know God's plan and God's purpose for my life. And I developed that by spending time on my knees with Jesus. Yeah. Come on. So good. 
That's how you develop an anointing and a relationship with God is spending time on your knees with Jesus. And his father brings him to Jesus and the disciples couldn't do anything. And Jesus makes a statement. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And that's what we've got to do, parents. We've got to get our kids to Jesus. We drag them everywhere else. We take them everywhere else. And I'm not against sports and I'm not against all these extracurricular activities. But just so you know, the average parent spends anywhere from $2,300 to $2,700 a year annually on extracurricular activities. They spend anywhere from three to 400 hours a year annually on extracurricular activities. And the odds of your, your student taking that extracurricular activity into adulthood is 0.005% that your kid with that saxophone is going to be Kenny G. I'm not against it. My kids play music. They play sports. Nicholas is in football. I get it. I'm with you, but you've got to set your family values. The clothes you're wearing, the company you bought them from, they have values. The car you drove here in, they have values. Your church has values. How does your family not have values? How have you not sat down and written out what your family values are? One of ours is God speaks to me no matter my age. Another one is I will do nothing consistently that consistently takes me away from God's house. So when my son Nicholas hears from his coach or some, he wants to play some sport and the coach comes and says, well, football practice is, is every Sunday morning or football practice is every Wednesday night. He knows I'm not playing football for that team because that's going to take me out consistently. Can he miss a Wednesday? Yes. Can he miss a Sunday? Absolutely. But nothing consistently. So we set our values, and if you don't, the coach will set your family values. Society will tell you what you value, and either your family culture happens by design or it happens by default. Either we intentionally planned it that way or this is just kind of how we do life. And that's why you've got to sit down and write out what are your values. To prophesy over your children. To declare over your children. Do you know how many people in this room have never received a prophetic word from their parent? And most kids who were ever bullied in school, if you were ever bullied, those are demonic prophecies. And most demonic prophecies are so short, you remember them. You're dumb, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid, nobody likes you, you're a failure, you're a loser. These are all demonic prophecies that our kids hear again and again and again, especially in a lot of school environments. And so if you let your kids come home and they say nothing and you are a silent voice and you are not prophesying, you are not professing what you see, you have to prophesy prophesy prophecy you profess what you see over your child and when the enemy opens his mouth you open yours when the enemy puts up his mouth you open your mouth and say you are fearfully and marvelously made you are the head and not the tail you are above and not beneath you are a daughter of the king everything about you is perfect from the color of your skin to the texture of your hair you are fearfully and marvelously made you can do anything and we've got to open our mouths because silent parents are causing us to lose our children it's not just the absence of well i'm not an absentee father you don't have to leave home to be absent you can be at the table and be absent You can be in the car and be absent. You can be right there in the living room and be absent. The Mayo Clinic says the average family spends 90 seconds together a day. I'm not talking about under the same roof. I'm talking about engaging. We're on our phones. We're alone together. 
We go out to eat, we're on our phones. Kids are on their phones seven to eight hours a day. I looked at my phone the other day and with all the calls, all the emails, everything I was on, I was on it right at five hours. I did the math, I'm 44, and I just multiplied it out. I said, from now, if I live to 85, don't correct me if I'm wrong on the math on here, but it was close to it. If I live to 85 and I spend five or so hours a day, I will spend 11 years of my life from now till I die on that phone. If I take sleep away, if I take the sleep hours out, I have 14 years of waking hours left to live. Wow. If I live to 85. Your kids are getting on their phones eight at nine. They're on it seven, eight, nine hours a day and we're having a five minute conversation with them about it, a 15 minute conversation with them about it. Do you know that if your kid gets an inappropriate image of another kid and they send it to another kid, now they're trafficking child porn? which is a felony and most parents don't realize it till attorneys are involved? Does your child know what to do if they get that text message? Have you trained them? Have you talked to them? Have we instilled into them that God has a plan and a destiny and a purpose for their life? The people who invented all these social media platforms do not love your children. Do not care about your children. Don't even want their own children on it. And I'm not attacking phones, but this is a tool that we have to learn how to teach our children to use in a safe and secure way and let them realize that their identity does not come from that, what they saw on social media. People, people, people lie on that stuff. They post Tuesday night date night. They don't post Friday night fight night. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Bring him to me. Jesus delivers the boy and they said, how come we couldn't do this? The disciples asked, Jesus says, this kind, what kind? The kind of demon that affects your child's ability to hear what you're saying and for them to speak how they feel. This kind can only be driven out by by prayer and by fasting. To get a prophetic word for your children. To declare the word of God over your children. Father's Day, a few years ago, the Lord spoke to me. Because I'd get some little gift on Father's Day that they bought with my credit card. And, and it'd be whatever. And, and I was, found myself a little frustrated one Father's Day. Not because of a gift. It just felt like it wasn't a big deal. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, why are you wanting to receive on Father's Day? I did not make you to receive. I made you to give. And so now every Father's Day, I buy my wife and all of my children the biggest gift I give them all year. And I give them each a written prophetic word for the year that I frame and I put in their room. And on Father's Day, I come out with all these gifts and I give it to them and I read this prophetic word from God that he's given me over them and I frame it and I put it in the room. And many times at night I go into the room and I just lay in their bed with them and I read that over them again and again and again for the year. And I want them to know that they've got a prophetic voice, father in their home declaring the word of God over them. You've got to put a word against the word. Teach your children to prophesy over each other. Teach them to prophesy over their, their siblings. Nicholas wrecked us one Christmas, just two, a Christmas ago, and, and we didn't know he was going to do it, but every, that Christmas morning, he went and got, uh, he had gifts, but he had a prophetic word for everyone in the family, even me. And he read the prophetic word as he gave us the gift. And I remember he gave one to his, his little sister, Penelope. She's got glasses. And, and he said, Penelope, God's going to heal your eyes because you're called to heal people. Your name is Penelope. It has people in it. And see, when God heals you, he leaves the medicine inside of you to heal someone else. And if you want to know what you're called to heal, look at what he's healed you of. Oh, Jesus. 
This is a prophetic word that you will only get from God in spending time with Jesus. And teaching your children to practice prophetic moments. Turn the TV off at night. 30 minutes before you go to bed, an hour before you go to bed, and practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Practice hearing from God. See, God's first language is not English. God's first language is visions and dreams. Only like two people in the Bible God spoke to audibly. Everybody else God spoke to in visions and dreams. That's why your children don't understand you when you say, what is God saying to you? And they go, I don't hear God because they're listening for English. God speaks in visions and dreams. God called me into the ministry as a teenager in a vision. So we need to turn the silly TV off. Turn it off 30 minutes, an hour, and practice the presence of God. Let's move our kids and pivot their heart into the presence of God because the morning starts at night. Amen. So good. The morning starts at night. When it turns 12.01, it says morning, even though it's dark outside. In Genesis, it says, and the, and the morning and the evening was the first day. You understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry, the evening and the morning was the first day. That tomorrow starts at night. That when we give God the first, we give God the first, the first, seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Turn it off, focus on the presence of God. We practice everything else. Here's a little kitchen, they're two years old. They can't even hardly talk. And you know how much plastic food I have eaten in my life with all these kids? Like here, you're practicing cooking on the grill and you're practicing the little car. Why don't we practice prayer? Why don't we practice worship? Why don't we practice prophecy? Why do we wait till they're 10? I'm gonna give you all these toys, but I'm not gonna talk to you about Jesus till you're 10. And practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. And you play like you practice. Teaching our children to prophesy over each other, to declare the word of God over each other. And I get it, parents. I understand how challenging it can be. I understand coming in the house in a bad mood. And I don't want to come in the house and and my wife's like, hey, daddy's in a bad mood, leave him alone. Or, hey, mommy's in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood, everybody leave me alone. Because children are terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They are the worst at it. Didn't I tell you to do this? Didn't your mother tell you? How many times do I have to tell you? Come on, parents, are you with me on this? Like, they're the worst at it, but they are amazing at doing what they see you do. They will do what they see you do without you even asking. So if you come in the house, dad's in a bad mood, then when they turn teenagers, leave me alone, I'm in a bad mood. Because that's what they saw. That's what you modeled. Rather than come in the house as a dad and say, I have had a horrific day. I am very frustrated. And I need my entire family to come around me and pray for me. So that when they turn teenagers, they walk in the house and say, I've had a horrific day today. And I need my family to pray for me. I need mom and dad and my siblings to come around me and pray for me rather than isolating myself in my room. Because what was modeled to me was that when you're in a bad mood, you isolate. No, we need prayer. This is why we have a family, to declare the word of God over each other, to speak life over each other. And I get how challenging it can be. I understand it. I understand how do we do marriage and all the children. I get that. But sometimes you have to invest in your marriage for your children. And any investment into your marriage is an investment into your children and your grandchildren. If we would take the time to get healed as parents, our children won't have to get healed from having us as parents. Because we got healed 
and time doesn't heal, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. And you've got to go to Jesus. And Jesus will heal the wound, but he will not heal the scar. The scar is your testimony of what you went through and made it. We cover scars. We don't want anybody to see them. And we put clothes over it and makeup over it. But the Lord heals the wound, but he doesn't heal the scar. In fact, one day when you see Jesus, do you know how you'll recognize Jesus? You'll recognize him by his scars. And if our Savior is willing to be identified by his scars, maybe we should be willing to be identified by ours. And you will forever feel victimized with your scar until you show it to somebody. And when you show it to somebody and they go, you went through that and you made it, then that means I can make it too. And now you turn misery into ministry and pain into praise. And now you can realize why God let you go through what you went through. It was for somebody's healing. And now you become an instrument that can be used for the master's glory. Come on, am I helping anybody in here today? This is the heart that God has for us as parents. We called this book in this series Raising Parents because you're raising a future parent. You're going to be somebody's dad. You're going to be somebody's mom. You're raising a future parent. And what doesn't seem like a big deal now seems like a big deal later. Like, hey, you're not disobeying. Well, they obey 70% of the time. Well, 70% of the time, now they show up late 70% of the time for work. You know, well, they do it 80%. Well, 80% faithfulness in a marriage is not going to work. 99% faithfulness in a marriage. We need 100% faithfulness here. Come on, am I helping anybody? The Bible says be devoted. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love and honor, even above yourselves. Raise the value of honor in your home. What's the old saying? Thou shalt honor thy mother or thou shalt live somewhere else. I want my daughters, I don't even let Nicholas and my son sit down to eat until their daughters are served. I want my daughter so familiar with honor so when they go on their first date at 35 and 38, 40 years old, and the guy doesn't pull the chair out for them, doesn't open the door for them. They go, my own brother shows me more honor than you. A lot, a lot of women get into bad relationships because they didn't recognize honor. They didn't grow up with honor. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow it from time to time. I'm telling you. My wife and I did. We were first-time parents, and we went down to visit some of my family in the Bahamas. My, my family's from the Bahamas, and we got down there, and we got down to Orlando, and we had all the things that first-time parents have that you don't need, but you don't know that you don't need. We got <laughs> wipe warmers and everything else. And we get out there, and she goes, we get on the tarmac, and she goes, I got to go to the restroom real quick. And I said, okay. And so I gave him the stroller and the carry-on diaper bag and everything, and she comes back out, and, and the plane's going and everything. She says, where's Alexander? I said, you, you have Alexander, you took him with you. She goes, I don't have Alexander. And she looks and she says, oh my gosh, you folded him up in the stroller. And I did, I didn't know he was in there. And it was a canopy in that Eddie Bauer stroller. You just turn it and fold him right up. They were getting ready to put him under the plane. So we've all made mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but give yourself grace and give your parents grace. 
Where's all the grand, can we just do something with you, all the campuses or even in the room? If you're a grandparent, would you just stand up real quick if you're a grandparent? Would you just stand to your feet if you're a grandparent? Just stand up. Just stand up, all our campuses. Would you just, would you just remain standing for just one minute? I wanna, I wanna say something to you. Just remain standing for one minute. In the state that we, are, we live in, suicide is the third leading cause of death amongst teenagers. And it's a statistical fact that if a teenager has a healthy relationship with a grandparent, they have almost a 0% chance of suicide. Almost 0% chance. You know why? Because grandparents are unconditional love. That's why when you get them back from their grandparent, you have to re-educate them. <laughs> because grandparents are unconditional love. Maybe our kids don't need more medication. Maybe what they need is a healthy relationship with their grandparent that can bring about a lot of healing in their life. So I just, would you just stretch forth your hand to one of these grandparents or any of the campuses? Father, I just bless them. And God, I ask that their words and the influence they have in the life of their children and grandchildren would not diminish, but grow. That when they speak, Lord, that they would literally prophesy legacy over their family. I declare health over their bodies and I prophesy the best days of their life are not behind them, but in front of them. I bless their families and I declare that all of their children and all of their grandchildren will spend eternity one day in heaven with them. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate all those grandparents today. You can be seated. I'm going to leave you with this. I just want to leave you with this verse. This is for anyone in here who feels like maybe my kids are not where they need to be. And there's so much, guys, that I just could not unpack about dating and cell phones and discipline. It's all, all in the book. But this verse is for you, Jeremiah 31, 16. It says, thus saith the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded. All the time you brought them to church, praying with them, single parents, lugging them in here, teaching them the word of God. Is it making a difference? Am I making a difference? Your work shall be rewarded. And this is for every parent who feels like their child's not where they need to be. Here it is. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. They're coming back because God's word is true. And I just declare that over every parent in here. I know maybe when you hear about parenting, you feel like, man, I blew it and I'm just not. God can restore the years. He can restore the years. And just because your kids made mistakes doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Because how many people would agree God's the best father? He's the best father. Well, God's the best father and I know his kids, and I'm one of them that made a lot of bad mistakes. And he's, he's not a bad father. So give yourself the grace. Give your parents the grace. Get a word from God for your family. And write the vision, make it plain, that all that see may run. So you don't have to operate on feelings. You can operate on faith. Did you get something out of this today? Come on, Lord bless you today. Can I pray for you? Would you just bow your head with me? If, if, if you're here and you say, Pastor Jonathan, there's a... I'm just not where I need to be with Jesus. It's just the reality. I'm just not where I need to be. Maybe you don't know him and you want to know him today for the first time. Maybe you know him, but you're just, you just grown distant in your relationship with Jesus. And you're just saying, I need, I need to know him. 
I need an anointing to raise the children that he's given me. I want to be the dad and the mom that God's called me to be. If that's you, and I count to three, I just want you to slip your hand up high and unashamed at all the campuses, and I'm just going to pray for you. That's one. If you're contemplating it, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. That's two. And I'm telling you, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. That's three. Just slip your hand up. My Lord, look at all the hands, all the hands. So many beautiful people. Can we celebrate all these hands that are in the air? Come on, just put your hands together and celebrate them. And let's end with this prayer. I want to pray for you. And, um, and then I'm, I'm going to head out into the, the, the lobby. And if, if you want uh, on the book, I'll, I'll just, I'd love to write a prophetic word in there for your family. But I just want to pray for you today because a family that prays together stays together. Come on, would you lift one hand, say it like you mean it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I believe you died on the cross. And because you live, I can live. Today I choose you. I lay aside all my guilt, all my shame, and I receive your grace and your life. And because you live, my life will never be the same in Jesus name. Come on, give him a big praise if you love him today. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.